Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the things we're excited for this year. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. We like to talk about games. Uh, 2020 is the start of a new decade. The start of a new year in gaming. And also in other stuff, like movies and TV and everything like that. Uh, and so we wanted to take a little slice out of the early year to talk about what is the stuff that we're most looking forward to in the upcoming year. I figured this is going to work a little bit like the derpies, right? Like we're going to kind yeah. of create a category for it and sort of say, I'm excited for blank. And you'll be like, I'm excited for whatever. And, uh, and, we'll kind of, uh, and we'll kind of go from there. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that absolutely makes sense. Uh, do, do we want to start with our most anticipated thing of 2020 in, in the grand tradition? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, my, my most anticipated game of 2020 has, has got to be Cyberpunk 2077. Um, delayed, just recently delayed by six months to September, which is good because it gives me, uh, gives me time to... <laughs> To, to play The Witcher and finish The Witcher 3. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I never got around to, to, to doing that. But, uh, you know, CD Projekt Red does excellent work with its games. I hope they can continue it. They've lost a lot of people. Um, also, there's the concern that, like, um, they're they're putting themselves through, like, a pretty horrific crunch. Um, although there is some discussion that, like, while it might be tough, it might not be, like, you know, you know 120-hour weeks. But... Who knows, right? Like the, the people are generally secretive about this process because it is controversial. And uh, what's yeah. what's the other part? Oh, and the other part of this too is that, like, you know, they're based in Poland, and like, you know, if if I don't I don't know what the normal work culture is like in Poland, but if everybody else there is, is already working long hours, then like it, it there's it, it's not like this makes the difference or whatever. I don't know if that. What's happening with them? But they usually make good products. So from a consumer standpoint, uh, it should be interesting. The stuff they've shown looks really cool. It's got Keanu Reeves, right? Um, and yeah, so hopefully, hopefully it'll be uh, an, an excellent game. Um, but uh, I'm sure we'll see more about it in the in the, in the weeks to come. Yeah, what about you? Enough. What about you, buddy? Uh, <laughs> listen, don't say I'm not a fanboy. I think it's got to be World of Warcraft Shadowlands. Of course. Like, I actually originally was going to say, I was going to be, like, sneaky. You know what I mean? I was going to, like, say, oh, like, the upcoming slate from Aquapar Games or whatever. But, like, that's like, that's dumb. And uh, uh, hashtag not sponsored. Uh, and then I was also thinking about some of just, like, the other things that I'm looking forward to in 2020. Right? Like, I've just gotten back into Magic the Gathering, as we've kind of reported um, and they specifically for the commander products, and they have a whole new line. We'll talk about this later, I'm sure. But, um, but I think at the end of the day, right, like the bedrock of my gaming experience these days is uh, World of Warcraft. And it has been for years. It has been since Legion in 2016. I've spent a lot of time on this podcast defending the Battle for Azeroth expansion um, and uh, – all of the, you know, like, the the different myriad of decisions, I basically think BFA is good and all these other sorts of things like that or whatever. But honestly, the thing that really gets me hype for Shadowlands is the sort of preview that we get of it right now in the last couple of weeks with um, the 8.3 patch for, 
for the game. Something that Blizzard does, or something specifically that that like the WoW team will do typically, is they will introduce features and then but like in a conservative state in a way and then kind of iterate on them over time and it's the iterations that make them something special like so for instance in the Mists of Pandaria expansion they introduce challenge mode dungeons where if you do dungeons in a certain time period you get a special set of cosmetic armor um that carried through into warlords where you could get gold like like gold silver bronze and then that morphed into the Mythic Plus system, which has then evolved in Battle for Azeroth to the best iteration of Mythic Plus, right? Like, Mythic Plus right now is the best, coolest version of it. Because they've had time to kind of, like, create this sort of this sort of system. And something that I realized is that they did that exact same thing with the single-player content at the end of the Legion with um, Mage Towers. And then they took some of the some of the things that they learned from Mage Towers and put those into island expeditions in the beginning of the expansion. And they took some of that stuff and they put it into uh, Horrific Visions in 8.3. Horrific Visions being you get a bunch of currency over the week, you get a ticket to do the vision, right? And then it's this big thing, but you have a timer and you can only get do, get a certain amount of it done or whatever, right? And Horrific Visions have quickly become just the most fun and engaging thing in WoW for me. And it is clearly a preview for what Torghast, the Tower of the Damned, is, which is like the headlining feature that they're adding to the game with with World of Warcraft Shadowlands. Um, And so looking at that progression, right, the Mage Towers, I love. Island Expeditions, I love. Horrific Visions, which are the best thing in the expansion... Torghast is looking great, I guess is my is my uh is my overall point of view. And um until they announce Total War Warhammer 3, I guess, like there's nothing else that's gonna take that top spot of the thing I am most anticipating uh for 2020. Well, that's uh that's that's fair enough. Um that's you know, obviously for a gas game, right? Like the the thing that gives you more gas is, especially your, your your mainline lifestyle game, right? The thing that gives you more lifestyle to lifestyle on is is obviously going to be pretty up there. Yeah. So, no, so the, the interesting thing about the the visions is uh, like you know we talked about this a bit last week, but like people, some people have complained where they say you know how come I only can do two or three of these per week or whatever, um, and and I and like obviously I get that where that kind of comes from, right? Like this is the most engaging content. I want to be able to do it kind of like on demand, but the fact that everything gives you the currency now, it just makes everything feel great because it is giving you a currency that's really meaningful, right? Because it's going to give me access to the content that I'm really looking forward to. Um, So it just kind of makes the grind that much more engaging, um, which is weird and neat. Um, But anyway, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so you, you you said you want to do this derby still? Do you, you have an idea for? Uh, okay. For, for well, the, our, our next. Let's make this simple. Our, the next one uh, is gonna be the movie that you were the most hyped Ooh. for in 2020. And the funny thing is, is that when we when we agreed on this topic, I went and I looked up some stuff. I was like, okay, like what's coming out in 2020? I'm sure there's gonna be something like easy for me to kind of like put my finger on but the truth is um the 
there hasn't been a lot of stuff announced actually for like 2020 in the same way that like last year there was you know avengers movies there was star wars there's just like a lot of stuff coming out before then you know you have all these other sorts of movies this year it just doesn't seem like there are too many of these kind of like super high line uh films that i'm like very very excited for but as i went through the list and then i went through the list again because i just wanted to kind of be sure with my decision my answer became very clear and that answer is godzilla versus kong oh <laughs> which is coming out i think in december of this year now this is a long shot <laughs> Okay, but I've talked a lot about how much I really enjoyed Kong Skull Island, and I have to say, basically, there's nothing the same about it. And, like, the Godzilla like, Godzilla King of Monsters was, like, awesome, but it was ultimately, it was, like, fairly fleeting, right? In the same way that, like, most of the Marvel movies are, like, fairly fleeting. Like, I had a good time, but I'm not going to go back and revisit that movie in the same way that I uh, revisit Kong Skull Island, or I even think about it, right? Like, I think about Kong Skull Island all the time, but I don't think about this. But I have a small, small little inkling of hope here, which is Adam Wingard. If you remember, Adam Wingard is the guy that directed the much maligned Death Note movie from, like, 2017 or whatever. We did a whole episode on this movie, right? Which, you know, we basically agreed was bad but it is the perfect kind of bad it was the perfect kind of bad for me because you could really tell there was so much like vision and passion there and that this is that's why this is my hail mary right like if there's anybody that is going to make godzilla versus kong something special and something that is ambitious in the way that the kong skull island director uh made his movie ambitious uh, I'm hoping it's gonna be it's gonna be Adam Wingard. It's the title that jumped out at me the first that I was like, oh my god, I need to see this. Like, I want to see this so bad. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping that one really uh, really takes flight, really gets off the ground. <sighs> yeah. What What's yours? Okay, so I got I, I you know looking through the list of movies, you know, you've, you've got like a couple of answers or you've, you've got a couple of things that look interesting, right? Like I enjoyed murder on the Orient express and, uh, there's another Hercule, Hercule Perot movie coming out. It's death on the Nile. Um, there's black widow, um, which looks interesting, right? It's got David Harbor as, as black widow's dad. Um, oh, really? yeah, I find myself, I find myself in a really tough spot to care about the Marvel movies post like Endgame. Somebody, yeah. I saw this like take on Twitter where it's like I watched that Black Widow trailer and I was just like, mm, what, what happened? Who cares? Yeah. And I have that same sort of feeling. Oh, so so part of my interest in this is that I am sure, or like my prediction is that there's going to be a thing in that movie that explains how she's not really dead, um, and how she's coming back, right? Like, oh and yeah, it's gonna cut the legs out from under Endgame so hard, and I'm just so excited for it in this kind of like, you know. Excited for trash genre. Venom 2 is coming out. Morbius the Living Vampire is coming out. Oh, my God. Out. I know. There's so much. I mean, and, there, and there's good stuff, too, that I'm excited for, right? Like, Wonder Woman 1984. I loved Wonder Woman. That was my, like, movie of the year that year. Um, and uh, and the Harley Quinn movie, which I also think looks great. Birds um, of Prey? Yeah. Oh, I'm super. Yeah. Oh, Are you not hyped for Birds of Prey? 
it just looks kind of like so so it looks whatever to me it comes out in a couple of days right i've got tickets so we'll see i'm doing yeah my... well, i'm sure we'll do an episode next like next yeah. week's episode is gonna be on birds of prey i'm sure yeah and i am i am trying my hardest to not look too hard into things i already saw like a tweet that's like you know cassandra kane isn't supposed to talk and she talks in the trailers i'm like you know what if i just don't know anything about what's happening with these characters i can't get mad about it so i'll just like Keep myself, like, in contrary to what I usually do, which is try and read up on the characters. I'm just going to leave myself as blank as possible. It looks kind of generic to me, right? Or it looks kind of like, I don't know. It, look, it looks, it doesn't look great to me. Wow. See, I'm, I'm in the opposite pers- I, uh, perspective because I think it looks really unique. And it's like doing something, like, new with, like, you know, it's colorful. It's flashy. It's focusing on... Uh, Harley, who I think is an interesting character, and like doing like the villains central, like a villain centered story is kind of like neat and like kind of untested waters in a way. So I, I feel that is very fresh to me in a way. You you, you mean you, you mean like Suicide Squad? You know, I, I mean, I mean, I, you know, fa- yeah, fair enough. Obviously, um, yeah. So 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 really, my fear is kind of like I feel like Harley Quinn's really easy to kind of flanderize is probably the right way to put it um and uh like in the same way that we were talking about how like deadpool would be a really good secondary character in a deadpool and cable movie i feel like that's the place for harley quinn like i thought that she was pretty she was and she was okay she was probably the best part of suicide squad like i'm I'm trying to couch this as hard as i can because i didn't like that movie very much um, no, I get that. Like, the danger is it's Suicide Squad 2.0. Yeah, and, like, putting her at the forefront I don't think does it any favors. But we'll we'll see. Yeah, um, okay, fair enough. I, 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 I get where you're coming from. All that being said, um, I also want to put in a joke here where I am very excited for The Invisible Man to come out because it looks very boring and I'm tired of seeing trailers for it in front of every movie I see, which is the Blumhouse <laughs> horror film. <laughs> But the movie that I am actually excited for, and this comes out in two weeks, is Sonic the freaking Hedgehog, and I'm excited <laughs> for it. <laughs> you know, this is oh, probably going to be trash type of way, yeah. right? Like Jim Carrey looks like he's hamming it up in the same way that, like, I really enjoyed um, Tom Hardy ha- ha- hamming up Venom, and so I am hoping that we'll get this kind of like shit post gold out of Sonic the Hedgehog, and if we do, I will very much enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I'm like just looking through this 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 list and like you know, there's a Top Gun sequel, there's a Mulan remake, there's fucking uh there there's fucking a sequel to Coming to America <laughs> which I didn't even like what like No, there's a know. bunch of those. There's also yeah, the, those movies, I'm like what what possibly is going on here? Uh, you, there are plenty of other notables like another notable for me for sure is um uh, the Denny Villeneuve uh, Dune movie, which honestly kind of comes down to, I'm not just, I'm just, I've never connected with Dune. Like I gave it a shot, and it just like didn't hit me. So obviously, Denny Villeneuve is my favorite director. I think he's the smartest guy working in Hollywood, um, and I'm excited to see it. But I don't have that same sort of passion. Have uh, you have you read Dune? Uh, yeah, so I read it when I was like, I read it a long time ago. I read like okay. it was one of those books where like when I was getting into like fucking you know Star Wars and stuff, and my dad was like, oh yeah, you should read Dune, um, and I was like, this sucks. 
So I find Dune. So I I read Dune for the first time maybe five or six years ago, um, and I kind of want to go back and read it just because like it's uh, like it reminded me a lot, kind of like Warhammer Forty K almost, and not in like the the direct things, but in the like you know there is this enormous universe that you can never stop reading about, right? Like I'm almost more interested in like the world building that I am in the actual story. Um, but I'm going to go back and like, I, I want to read a bunch of it. Apparently it gets, it's not, it's, it gets bad after uh, Frank Herbert dies and it's taken up by his son, but you know, I'll still give it a shot. Maybe, maybe I'll do one of my crazy ass read throughs of everything. Like I did with, with freaking dark tower. Yeah, um, oh my God. I can't believe you did that. Yeah. That was, that's one of the worst decisions I've ever made, but you know, I'll do it again. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's also honorable mention is Army of the Dead, the the new Zack Snyder movie, which is coming to Netflix. We don't have a release date. It's speculated to be in 2020, but we don't know, which is why I just, like, left it off the list uh, because we don't know when it's coming out. Yeah. Um, anyway, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the next category? The next category. All right. Let's uh, let's see. Um, well, um, I want to capture this in a way that doesn't cut you out because um, you already talked about your MMO pick. Sure. Um, but let's say, uh, so, so, so this will this work. Best or, or most excited for thing coming from a, a, a studio with, or a new studio, right? And for me, it's going to be uh, New World by Amazon Studios, which I know is not typically what you think of in something like this category. Um, but like, uh, it's an MMO, and I really find uh, the Conquistador Roman Legion aesthetic to be super interesting. I'm, uh, it's, it, you know, it might just be another kind of survival game with MMO elements, but um, I find those always kind of a, at least a little bit engrossing, right? Like I haven't played in a while, but I used to pour hours into Minecraft. Um, I was really had my hopes up for uh, uh, the uh, Atlas, which turned out to be a bomb. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always excited to jump into these kinds of things and, uh, I'm looking for, um, I'm always looking for an MMO with like decent action combat to kind of sink my teeth into, um, something that isn't, you know, like Destiny is great, but it's, 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 it's an FPS game and I do like action combat type stuff, especially stuff that lets you like, uh, customize yourself a bit in a way that you can see, right? Like since Destiny's for first person, you like see your arms and you see your gun, and that's about it. Even though you theoretically have a bunch of ways to customize yourself, so I'm excited to see what that can be, um, what that can become. Um, I haven't played in the alpha. Um, I'm I I pre-ordered it. I know, I know, not the greatest practice, but I'm excited for it. Um, I'll be in the beta. Um, uh, not a ton to talk about because we don't have a lot about it, right? Like our, our biggest kind of view of what was coming was at the Game Awards, actually. They, they had a big trailer for it, and it looks uh, it looks super interesting. So uh, that's kind of kind of my 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 big antici- anticipation from a, a, a new studio. The other, the other thing about this too is that it's you know it's being made obviously to show off to show off Lumberyard. I'm excited to see if that's going to become like a real viable tool. Um, uh, it just doesn't have as much pull as say like Unity or Unreal does, um, and uh, obviously, um, if anybody can 
uh, you know, make an MMO that breaks through and breaks kind of like some of the stranglehold the bigger players does, it's going to be a company like Amazon that has like, you know, infinite money to throw at it. So um, at least it'll be something a little bit different in the space. Uh, what about you, buddy? What's your, what's your most okay? So from this is one that I'm basically cheating on because it is in the same boat as that Zack Snyder uh, film. Um, it is an indie game that I ran into. Like we are like at Akupara, we're friends with this guy. Um, that I ran into, and I find to be really compelling. And I hope, uh, and honestly, like I hope it comes out this year and is awesome. Um, I'm pretty sure, based on all of my understandings, that it is coming out later this year. But I really could be wrong. Uh, the studio is Raspberry Games, and the game itself is called From Rust. Now, the best way to talk about From Rust is to kind of talk about any of the, like, have you ever done, like, the cooperative, like, card game, board game, sort of, in that, like, area where you're, like, you are progressing through the board? Um, maybe the biggest one of these is, like, Gloomhaven, um, uh, or like it's sort of like scythe but single player right like any of these there's been this huge huge uptick in these board games that are completely brand new um that are really like complicated systems wise um and they have you kind of like fighting the board a lot of the, a lot of the times from rust is basically that mixed with a collectible card game sort of like hearthstone where what essentially happens is you are you join up with a party with up to four, you can you can solo it if you want, or you can go in with other players. And you are playing like a character, right? Who has certain like abilities and moves and items and stuff like that. Um, that uh, the that is like unique to the character in the same way that like you know in Hearthstone, Warlock has you know big AOE spells and also self damaging stuff and paladins don't do this and they do do that they do buff spells or whatever it's the same sort of thing right like how in like magic you make big stompy green creatures versus like little blue flyers or kind of whatever right and so you have these different characters that are that are that are doing this sort of thing um but you are playing against like the computer in a team-based kind of format so it's a little bit of a mix of like a typical sort of like co-op pve game right like a like a raid or something like that um, with CCG mechanics where you're collecting cards and you're crafting new cards and you're getting rares and uncommons and stuff like that with like low level board game kind of mechanics where you're like rolling dice. Um, and I had a great time with this game and, uh, I know that, uh, I know that it's been announced. I know that it's doing, uh, uh, doing stuff, I think at PAX this year. Um, so I just really hope that, uh, you know, they get, uh, I don't know. I really hope that they get it out before the end of the year and we can, we could talk about it. Cause when I played uh, a very early version, they have a, they have an alpha right now that you can like join on their discord or whatever. Uh, I had a really good time playing that game. Uh, excellent. Uh, that that sounds super interesting. I'll I'll, I'll have to go to look. I, I I hadn't heard of it before. So, um, that like I I do like some of those those board game types, but I, I haven't uh I haven't seen it. So I'll, I'll have it's, you said it's from Rust. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll I'll have to By check Raspberry that out. Games. R A Z B U R Y. Um, right. the next category, uh, is 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to open this up. Um, so the next category is the game that I'm most hoping I stick with. Right. Um, we go through cycles. You guys have been listening to this podcast for a long time. We go through cycles of the games that we're like interested, not interested. Right. Like, oh, I'm on this. I'm off this. You know, I got back into whatever. We got back into league for like three months last year or whatever. But then we kind of like fell off of it or whatever. So, and I always have a tough time. Like, whenever I get back into a game, it always feels like I'm getting back into it for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh boy, why did I ever leave? I'm super excited. And then two months later, it's like, okay, well, we're putting you back down. We're putting you back in the in the closet league of legends goodbye yasuo right um but there uh but that but so obviously this has happened to me very recently and i'm hoping that i stick it out because there's a lot of really cool stuff coming uh my answer for this one is the specifically the commander line of magic 2020 um Essentially, so, you know, the way that Magic typically releases cards at this point is they have big blocks with, like, stories and, like, mechanics and stuff that are completely, you know, sort of unique. They might carry over story elements from one to another, um, but mostly at the end of the day, right, you just, you go to a plane, there's a specific thing happening on that plane, and you get a bunch of, you know, like, you get a bunch of cards from there, and then you move on, right? The big story blocks, um... There's three of them a year, and then there's, like, the core set that comes out, like, 2020 core set or whatever, 2021, it'll be this year. Um, and then there are ancillary, like, products. For a long time, those ancillary products were, like, the Masters series, and then I think last year it was Modern Horizons, right? Um, which was just a bunch of cards that were released, but they weren't legal in standard. They were only legal in – they were specifically released to shake up and make modern the format, like, more interesting, um, this year in the place of that third category where it's not going to be standard legal, they are releasing a commander set, right? Like a set of cards that are specifically for commander players. On top of that, they have a whole bunch of other stuff coming out for commander players, which is that like with each of the story blocks, they are releasing unique commander precons to that story block. Like the first one, which is in April, they're releasing five commander precons. Um, then two more with each of the other two that are coming out later in the year for a total of nine commander precons. Typically the commander line is just four precons in the middle of the year at some point sort of thing. So getting both the set, right, which is coming in, which is like booster packs and stuff. Um, but it's booster packs specifically like draftable packs, by the way, specifically for the commander format. I just think that that's like really cool, really fun, uh, and a really compelling uh, way to sort of set up the year for players of the Commander format. Uh, I'm on record that the Commander, we did a whole episode on this. The Commander format is great. I think it's the best way to play Magic the Gathering. And so my hope is that the current Commander phase that I am deeply entrenched in yesterday, I spent eight hours playing Commander, uh, introducing Commander to like all of my LA friends. Um, I hope that it... Uh, lasts i guess the whole year um and i stick with it in a way that we didn't stick with uh with league are you afraid at all that um all this commander attention is going to kind of push it into like that ultra competitive space that kind of like the tier like the part of why commanders we talked about this during the commander episode but part of the reason my commander is attractive is because it's a vaguely unreliable 
format, right? Like you, it it allows for more strategy that lets makes makes kind of difference between like price spent on deck a little bit less, right? Like you, it, it's harder to make a, a deck that just absolutely stomps casual players. Do you think that um, kind of all this attention is gonna gonna maybe push it over the edge? So I think the thing that attracts people to Commander is just different from the thing... Commander doesn't attract spikes, I guess, is kind of my overall position, right? Like, there is already competitive Commander, right? It's called CEDH. And because basically every card in Magic's history, except for, like, a slight banned list, um, is available in EDH, you see a lot of... Yeah, like, there are a lot of decks that can just win on turn three and turn four, right? Which is essentially standard, where, you know, you're closing out your games by turn five, turn six. Because you can, you know, tutor up your infinite combo and just, you know, go and then just win the game off of that. Um, and so, in a certain sense, we already live in a world where there is a, like, a hardcore competitive ecosystem for uh for commander and yet it is still growing and thriving because it, the thing that is pulling people to commander is that kind of like low level in- inconsistency i don't see or i don't get the sense that there are a lot of commander players who are um sort of like trading up and constantly being like well i'm only here to win and so i'm going to make a cd cedh deck does that make sense yeah yeah that makes sense uh, but I definitely also I definitely do worry, um, especially because they're there. It's it's a very fine balance with Commander. Um, like I, have, I I talked about tutors and kind of my problem with the fact that there are like certain tutors in the set, um, and it's a very real possibility, right? That like come the Commander twenty twenty set, they add a bunch of tutors to the to the what because they're like you know what tutors are really powerful black has all the tutors we need to spread the love and now everybody has a bunch of tutors i think that would really suck and that would really hurt commander for me for instance so there's definitely like things that i am scared of um or things that would be like unfun uh for instance white and red are typically not very good colors in commander um because green is good because it ramps uh, and ramp is really good in commander. Blue is good because of card draw, and card draw is insane in commander. And then black is good, sort of because it does uh, card draw, and also because of like tutors, um, which kind of leaves white and red behind typically. Uh, so like there could be stuff that doesn't, you know, like if they don't address those kinds of issues, and white is still a really bad color to play in commander or whatever you know like or whatever else they could they could screw that stuff up but at the end of the day i don't really think that there's any more liability that they will screw things up than they will make them great so uh it just kind of comes with the territory do you know what i mean yeah yeah i think i think that's fair enough i think that's fair enough well my answer to this question of the game that I hope I st- – or the thing that I hope I stick with, um, it's not going to be a thing until late 2020 if it does come out this year. But uh, Guilty Gear Strive is supposed to come out late 2020, and uh, I haven't been able to, like, really dig my teeth into a fighting game for a long time. Um, and uh, and I do enjoy them, and I thought it was going to be Sam's show for a while, but I just kind of fell off of that. Um, but Guilty Gear is a game that consistently looks hype when I see it played, and uh, Strive is supposed to be taking the steps to make the game a little bit more comprehensible, a little bit less kind of um, uh, inscrutable in, in a way that's like, 
anime games have have a set of peculiarities to them that usually make them hard to play, not the least of which is kind of like um, being extremely combo heavy and requiring a lot of like manual dexterity um, that you uh, it's kind of on the higher end, right? Like, you know, like while Street Fighter requires, let's say, an average amount, especially like, you know, varying per character and where Sam shows more about timing. I mean, it's a very slow game. Um, uh, typical or like the older Guilty Gear games have been all the way at the top. And this game, I think, is looking to bring it down to probably a little bit around Street Fighter level, which is like a level I can deal with, especially on like you, know, you, you get a you get a character that's a little bit less dexterity focused, which is usually the um, the, the grapplers, right? In my case, it'd be something like Potemkin. Um, and you're you, you can kind of like those are the types of things where like I it's it's a uh, it's while it still has some dexterity requ- requirement, it's not so bad that I can't, like, get into it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Guilty Gear is an extremely popular series. So uh, uh, if we if if we can uh, – or if I can get myself to dig into it, I think I'll have a really good time with it. So um, – but the, the fighting games is one of those things where, like, you just got to keep putting the, the, the time in. And uh, uh, this is a weird effect where, like um, – with Samusher, right? Like – I haven't played in probably like eight months. Um, and uh, because that community is relatively small, right? Like the people who play just keep getting better, right? Like uh, 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 essentially like the, the, the bronze players in Sam show are like at where gold was when I started playing or something like that, right? Like the, you know, those are rough approximations, but if your game is big enough, right? Like street fighter or like guilty gear is there's always kind of like a pool of people that are on the lower end of the scale and thus, you, it, it's it's easier to kind of keep going or come back to it after a little while. Like, you don't have to stick with it as closely in order to kind of keep going with it. But that's got to be my answer, that uh, the game that I hope I stick with the most is uh, Guilty Gear Strive. Um, Very cool. That's, yeah. I did not expect that answer, but fair enough. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, no, it is one of those things where like every time I see a cool fighting game, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to play the shit out of this fighting game and finally get really good at a fighting game. Uh, the closest I ever came was with Street Fighter Four, um, and like I was pretty decent at that, but I was never like great at it. But like, er, like ever since then, I just keep falling off of it, um, or I'd be kept falling off of games. I've tried with a bunch of them, so uh, you know, it's got to be, it's got to. Hopefully, it'll be Guilty Gear. Um, the next category I'm going to come with, it's a relatively simple one, and it's going to be, uh, you know, a uh, sequel you're most excited for. Um, in my case, I'm pretty sure it's going to be uh, Neo 2. Um, Neo being uh, a Souls-like, it's like a, kind of like a hybrid between a Souls-like game and like a Diablo almost. There's like a bunch of loot that drops. It's got that like calm, deliberative action combat that the Souls games have. I really enjoyed Neo 1. I never got all the way through it. Um, but that game just kind of like aged really, uh, like it, I go back every once in a while and just play for a little bit and it's, and it's very compelling and very fun. Um, and there's just kind of like always things to kind of build on there and Neo 2 looks like it's more of the same. That's the thing that's, that's kind of exciting to me. Uh, so I'll be, I'll, I'll be, uh, pushing towards that. That comes out in like, uh, I think in March. So, um, that'll be a thing, uh, for me to look forward to, to to grind away and get get those pieces of gear and uh uh hack and slash my way through uh through the world i believe the main character this time is a ninja rather than being um what was uh he, he was an irishman like he was based on a, a real historical figure i think was originally scottish or dutch or something but anyway he came over on a ship to japan 
and he was like a real historical figure. He was a real person that uh, uh, traveled Japan. Um, obviously, the mystical elements are, are not uh, as real, or at least that's what uh, the government wants you to think. Um, and uh, this time, I believe it's a ninja. Uh, that's that's the main character, and so it, it, it should be interesting. Okay, fair enough. Um, interesting sequel I am most interested in. I think I'm going to go back to what I mentioned in the movies section um, and just take a second on Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, one of the... It is honestly the, the biggest headlining movie this year that I think, in a real sense, I'm excited for. Not in, like, a Hail Mary sense, right? Like, I have a lot of faith that... Uh, Gal Gadot, uh, Patty Jenkins, right? Chris Pine is coming back. That was in the trailers. Um, there's a, that's a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, they, or, I'm sorry. They, they've done a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, and the trailer for that movie is one of the most substantial ones that simultaneously, like, tells me a lot about what's going on, right? Um, but I also leaves me with like a lot of questions. Like one of the pieces of it is that uh, Pedro Pascal, who plays Maxwell Lord, do you know the character Maxwell Lord at all? Uh, no, I do not. Yeah. So Maxwell Lord is like insanely loaded to put in a Wonder Woman movie because he's a character that spans a lot of DC history. Like he came around in the eighties, um, and then lasted till about the mid two thousands. Um, I think it was like 2004, 2000 five maybe where um well I'll, I'll just spoil this here essentially so maxwell lord ran the justice league for a while under sort of like the united nations kind of umbrella um he had he had like mind control power at first he was just a guy but then later he developed these like mind control powers and a famous thing that happened with him and wonder woman um is that he mind controlled superman when and was forcing Superman to like go on this rampage for whatever reason, Wonder Woman strings him up in the lasso of truth and t- asks him, "How do I stop Superman?" And he, because he's in the lasso of truth, he says, "Kill me," and Wonder Woman snaps his neck. Uh, the crazy thing is, this all happened on live television, and it was like it was a part of a whole bigger event or whatever. So there's like. There's a lot of stuff you could do with this guy. Because in his earliest iteration, for like 15 years, he was just a good guy. He was like the, like a bureaucratic good guy who was like a main character in the Justice League series. But he was, you know, the guy who was working with telling the Justice League where to go and what to do or whatever. And then he kind of has this like evil turn that ends in a super bombastic fashion. It's like, okay, are we getting early maxwell lord where he's just kind of a supporting character and they're doing like build-up work maybe they're trying to like you know uh rethread the idea of a cinematic universe or whatever with maxwell lord as like the the sinking syncing up the different movies or something like that like he very easily could fit in that kind of like nick fury role are they doing something where you know, he's going to do the mind control thing and she's going to kill him, but without Superman this time or something. Is it like something else that's kind of completely off the wall? Like, and the, just the inclusion of that single character alone is like, whoa, what's going on here? I'm interested. You, you had my attention. Now you have my curiosity or whatever. You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. That's, that's the thing. Um, 
So yeah, so that's the sequel uh, that I'm most looking forward to, that I'm most uh, that I'm most deeply anticipating. So, so, um, so question for you: the, the thing sure. that stuck out to me about that, and, you know, not not to be a downer, but um, the thing that immediately popped into my mind when I saw the trailer for Wonder Woman was that, like, well, if they're bringing back, um, if they're bringing back uh, Chris Pine's character, that that kind of undercuts his sacrifice in the first movie. Um, and that's kind of like my, my, my stock reaction to the, to these kinds of like reappearances, um, which you know, like I like I commented on on Black Widow, right? Like that 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 I anticipated that coming, uh, um, that that coming uh, that that happening in that movie, and and it undercutting uh, Endgame in that way. Um, do you, do you have any, do you have any thoughts on, uh, around that vector in particular? Yeah, so I don't like it, uh, but I'm also not sure what's going on. Um, that's fair. And so I'm kind of just like, let's see how this. It could be like m- maybe like part of my thought. It's like, oh, it's his grandkid, or you know, like it could be something as sort of mundane as that, or it could be something as heinous as I jumped out at the last second and also froze myself for seventy years, which is why I'm still in the body of a middle aged man and I'm not like old and decrepit. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it could go a variety of different ways and I'm just sort of like not touching it. Um the I, I I'm on record, this is my stance on like big characters kind of coming back, which is that if a big character is going to come back, you need to foreshadow it so I don't feel like I'm getting lied to, right? Um this is what I liked about uh, the way that they handled it with Batman vs Superman, for instance, because like the end of that movie, it's definitive that like even though you don't know how or under what circumstances or how good or bad those circumstances are going to be, you know, like whatever, right? Like Superman, he dies, his sacrifice is meaningful or whatever. But we're not trying to like we're not trying to trick you. Whereas there have been other instances where uh, you are trying to trick me. Do you know what I mean? Um, so we'll just sort of we'll just sort of see what happens. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I want to say that there was a Star Wars version of that, uh, but there isn't. I was about to make a whole point about like the rise of Jedi uh, and, and like the Palpatine stuff, but like honestly, it's like so completely bonkers it doesn't even apply. In <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's so bad that it's like beyond the pale. We can't even we can't even like talk about it in a meaningful way. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so the next category, um, this one might be hard for you to answer because I feel like you don't do this much anymore. But for me, at least, is TV show, either new or returning, that I am most interested in in 2020. This is a very simple answer. I've talked about it a zillion times on the podcast. We should honestly maybe like do an episode when, uh, when it concludes because this might be the final season. I don't think it is. I think it's going six seasons and not five. But um, – uh, is Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul's new season actually begins this month, later this month. I think at the end of February it, it kind of comes back. It skipped out the entirety of 2019. But I have been saying for years, even in the wake of, you know, the Westworlds and the Mind Hunters and the, you know, uh, these other these other shows that have come out and been really amazing and really transcended, that Better Call Saul is the most amazing show on television it is just the best television that you can watch um there are four seasons of it right now they are immaculate better than breaking bad hashtag 
controversial opinion. No, actually, it's not that controversial an opinion. I see this pop up all the time, but people are constantly saying, like, yep, Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. Uh, and I just think for some reason people just aren't watching it in the way that they were watching Breaking Bad 10 years ago, which is honestly a little bit of a shame because it's, it's just so fucking good. It's such a fucking good show. Um, the journey that Jimmy or Saul um, has been taking over the last couple of years, the acting from Bob Odenkirk, who's just so good. And most importantly, the writing and directing from the series creator, Vince Gilligan. Like, he is at the top of his form, best in class, world-renowned, or deserves to be. And, like, honestly, like, if I, you know, if tomorrow I go and I get an MFA and I'm starting and I go and I teach fucking writing or something at, like, a college campus or whatever, I am going to constantly be talking about how Vince Gilligan is the best guy working in television right now, because he's just, like, I mean, he's just made these two absolutely jaw-dropping and amazing uh, series back-to-back, which very few other creators can really boast. Um, so there it is. That's my, that's my big, that's my my big ones. You need me to keep vamping so that you can like look up. No, so I, <laughs> TV shows. I've, I've got um, I've got my answer, um, but I did want to ask you a, a question. So just just for my own, I, I just don't know. It does does Better Call Saul take place after or before the events of the Breaking Bad? Before the events, so Breaking Bad happens essentially um, like chronosyncratically with when it was coming out, which was like 2008 to 2012 about. Um, So it's about that, you know, it's weird that I have to specify that, but we are actually eight years out from there. And so like, we don't have things like 4g, right? Smartphones were not really a thing in at least early breaking bad. Um, But better call Saul is a prequel series set in the early two thousands. Um, and by the way, the amount of attention and care that they paid to that time frame is like honestly ridiculous. Like something that I've been so just on a, as a small tangent, right? I, I've been talking about how I've been going back and sort of like doing TV archaeology, where I've been watching. I watched Sex and the City. I've been watching The Sopranos, right? Going back to some of these huge, huge shows that predated the the kind of rise of prestige TV, right? And one of the things that I talked about is those shows were coming out like at the time. They had all of this drama surrounding current cell phone technology that's horrendously outdated right in um in sex in the city you have all this stuff going on with voicemails and answering machines like oh she goes out with a guy and he calls her back and leaves a message on her answering machine and the message is vague so she calls all of her friends over to her apartment they listen to the answering machine message before she calls him back or whatever like that would never happen um the uh the sopranos has all this stuff with pagers and like who gets paged it was like somebody's getting paged for this or paged for that uh because like they're mafioso and so like they're trying not to like get wiretapped or whatever else um and better call Saul does that stuff but as a show that is being made right now it is like it's it's insane to me because – and I don't think anybody else would ever notice how good this is if they were not doing this exact same thing where, like, you're going back and you're watching these shows that are built on the drama of, oh, well, I have a pager and pagers work this way and they, they make these kinds of interactions, right? But, like, yes – Saul has a cell phone and it works the way a cell phone works in 2003 and that's part of the drama 
of the show. Uh, and it's, it's those things, that, those little attention to details things that are just like so magical about uh about better call Saul and why i would recommend it so uh so vigorously just just out of curiosity have you ever watched all of seinfeld no uh i watched a bunch of seinfeld three seasons uh when it when it went on hulu is it still on hulu i honestly should go i have no idea i i have uh i have a set of all the episodes uh obtained through less than scrupulous means in my younger days that I have sitting on a hard drive somewhere. Um, you know, honestly, um, uh, the interesting thing about Seinfeld for me was always that it... Where did, where did I leave off? Oh, well, it doesn't even say where I left off. The interesting thing about Seinfeld for me was how much it did not match my kind of vision of Seinfeld. Because, you know, you absorb a lot through sort of pop culture osmosis. And I definitely did absorb a lot through, like, pop culture osmosis or whatever. But, like, there's a lot of – all of the things that people talk about Seinfeld, like, oh, it's a show about nothing or whatever, like, that is clearly wrong. (laughs) Which I'm not saying that to be mean or whatever, but it just – it puts certain ideas in my head that turned out to be fundamentally untrue. Because when I was actually sitting and watching this, I was like, I re- I get how this is really great and how this changed the game. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it is not what I expected. Which seasons did you watch? Uh, you the know? first three, I'm pretty okay. sure. Yeah, no. Uh, Seinfeld no, becomes... the first four. The first season seems to be very short. And I remember it being... The first season is only five episodes. So, so the 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 culture or the the kind of critical consensus on when Seinfeld really becomes Seinfeld is with the uh, the Chinese food episode in season four, and everything past that is 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 you know is, is peak Seinfeld. Okay, everything before I that is still fine. into season four. Just look. I'm looking at like the thumbnails right now, and right. I remember seeing. Okay, uh, episode four, the wallet has. A thumbnail of the guy who played Hollis Mason in Zack Snyder's Watchmen movie, and I just immediately remembered that. I was like, "Oh, that's that guy." Oh, and I also saw, Bu- uh, and then Bubble Boy. I remember that episode. That might have been. I'm, I got into season six at some point. So okay, and I've never right. seen that Chinese food episode, but I may have seen it because um, it's obviously like the famous one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I think. Uh, I may have seen that outside of the context of like a full rewatch. All right. Well, anyway, now, now that I'm done kind of distracting you with, with questions about Seinfeld, uh, uh, I don't have a lot to say about this, but the TV show I'm most excited for is probably WandaVision. Um, oh, not, okay. Yeah. Um, not because I'm particularly hyped up for it. As, as you mentioned, I don't watch a ton of TV. Um, but... Um, it looks interesting in like, so I have not seen a ton of it. I basically saw the Super Bowl commercial for it, which is basically a trailer. Um, but I was not expecting this kind of thing where it's like, it's like flashing the characters into different uh, time periods of television, right? Like it's like one shot where one looks like she's in the Brady Bunch um, and another shot where Vision looks like he's he's basically like, Maybe like Dick Van Dyke or like he's he's like in a black and white, like wearing a like a sweater vest over a, uh, or like a sweater over over a dress shirt, and uh, I if they stick with that, 
like and that's like the core theme of the show i find i think that could be really compelling i i every once in a while go back and watch episodes of of those kind of like tv land-esque shows right like these really old shows that were kind of a little bit more quaint and a little bit less uh you know less modern obviously because you know they're, they're older but i always found them to be interesting um and so uh, I'm excited to see what they do with it and what kind of like the plot there is. I, I could say the same thing uh, with, with Loki, um, which, you know, Loki's just a fun character. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I don't really have a lot more, much else to say about it. But that's. Um, so the interesting thing for uh, that I think is is happening with WandaVision and also like Loki and stuff like that is they are copying the success not of the Marvel Netflix shows, but of the CW, honestly, at this point, cinematic universe, right, um, of Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, right, like that, all of those DC shows that got produced for um, the CW. They very recently just, like, made headlines. It's kind of a weird way of putting it. Um But specifically because they did a huge, huge crossover across all all of the different shows, right? Um, that is Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is, like, one of the famous, like, absolutely most famous storylines in, like, DC history. And as part of it, they did a bunch of stuff, right? Like, the Ezra Miller's The Flash from Justice League met the Flash TV show Grant Gustin Flash. And they had, like, a two-minute scene where they were like, oh, well, I'm Barry Allen. Oh, I'm also Barry Allen. Whoa, this is weird. Or whatever. Um, and stuff like that. And, uh, and that episode... And that... Not that episode. That uh, show was really like that. That sort of structure for shows has actually like secretly been incredibly successful, but no one's really like talking about it. Um, like the shows all sort of buoy one another's viewership in like really interesting and kind of like compelling ways, and they are honestly some of the most comic booky stuff uh, out there when it comes to. Uh when it comes to the different, you know, sort of like things that you can do with superhero media. Um, I I talked a lot a couple of years ago about how much I loved Arrow and I sort of fell off watching Arrow in the flash. Um, and it wasn't even because like something, I just like, I just stopped. I don't know why I just stopped watching and I never, and I never got back onto it. But like now all of a sudden I'm like, Oh man, I want to fucking watch all of these shows again. Because I remember the first two seasons of Arrow were just so compelling. I was, like, glued to my TV screen. Yeah, I, I wonder how much of how much of this is just kind of, like... It, it seems in that way that, like, DCW shows almost mirror kind of the comic book serial format, right? You kind of keep wanting coming back for these long-distance storylines. And if you want to get the full picture, you got to go to the crossover comics, right? Like, you got to go get the one issue that the character you care about shows up in, in the other thing. And well, at that point you got to go read that whole series. You know, what's going on there. You understand the full context there. I wonder, I wonder how much of that, uh, like how much these CW shows are like kind of like the true inheritor to the, uh, to the comic book format. Yeah, I know. I, I absolutely think that's the case. Like, and so for and I love comic book movies, obviously, um, you know, obviously, obviously. Um, and I think that there is a lot that the comic book movies do to sort of emulate comics. This is part of what I like about, uh, you know, the, one of the one of the key things that I will always evaluate these movies on is like the quality of their action. Because like so so much of what makes comics great 
is watching characters with cool powers fighting one another in like cool and interesting like ways, right? And so stuff that really appeals to me is stuff like, you know, I don't know. Uh what's a good example of this? Uh doomsday in in batman versus superman when like doomsday and superman are shooting one another with heat vision at the same time and you get that one kind of like that is a comic book panel put on a put on a movie screen right or like in avengers infinity war spider-man the a a guy throwing a taxi cab at spider-man and he jumps out of the way hits it with his webs and then he slings it back to hit the guy like that stuff that is the comic book action on on screen which is always great which is always really fun which is always really um uh awesome and really interesting but i think the serialized nature that you're describing that's that underlying story structure never comes across in the movies there's actually a really good video essay on this which is the limitations of the marvel cinematic universe by patrick h willems um that i may have referenced on the podcast before i know we've talked about him but i'm not sure we've talked about that and he talks about this problem right where like the movies have to be big standalone stories so even though they have like continuity movie to movie they can never really do that like sort of long form drip feed serialized storytelling but tv absolutely can um and i and i would say the thing that is probably most akin to the comics is much more the tv shows like the cw shows or like the netflix shows um even though they had very little continuity with one another to be honest um or or like young justice is a great example of this right uh even though it is contained to one series right like it has such a wide lore and uh uh universe and like world building to it that it like feels very very like at home uh to the to the original sorts of comics so i absolutely agree with you i think that that is a that is a a real read on uh on wandavision all right well i think that, that that's like we're at about the end of the hour so yeah um that i think is a pretty good summary of the things we're most hyped for uh coming this year um so buddy why don't you tell me uh, how how uh, your week was okay so i did a couple of things uh but i'm gonna break this up i the first thing uh that i wanted to talk about is last night i played commander with eight people seven people actually um for eight hours <laughs> we went to a friend of ours house uh a friend in la um who we've like drafted with before and their main mode of playing Magic is very, like, kitchen sink, right? They've gone to LGS's local game shops before to, like, pick up singles and stuff like that. But basically, the way that they play Magic, which I honestly find really fascinating, the way that they play Magic is they they do a draft where they get, like, a 40-card deck. But sometimes they'll draft with extra packs and make bigger decks. Like, you'll make a 60-card deck with five packs, for instance. Um... And they will then turn those draft decks into kitchen table 60-card decks. Uh, And so, like, so, for instance, in Thrones of Eldraine, there's a card called Beloved Princess. Um, Beloved Princess is, like, a one-mana 1-1 that has lifelink, and it can't be blocked except by by creatures. It cannot be blocked by creatures with power three or greater, right? Um and so what one of these players, shout out Cammy, friend of the podcast, Cammy, who's not friend of the podcast, who's never been on the podcast, but I'm just going to shout her out. What she figured out is like, oh, hey, if I draft uh, Beloved Princess, who's in white, I think it's one white, 
um, and that I put a bunch of buff spells on her, she is basically immune to die to death by combat, right? I put something that pumps her above three toughness, and she can, uh, and she can basically never be blocked by big fatties that will block and kill her, and I can just like get in free damage for the win. And so she built a whole sixty card deck called her Princess's deck, which is built around that function, right? Now, you might, for, you know, for how long you played Thrones of Eldraine and you played in Standard and stuff like that, and you saw Oko and and everything else, you might look at that deck and be like, oh my god, what an awful idea. That would never stand up on Magic Arena or whatever. Um, And that's probably true, but in this little kitchen sink, I keep calling it kitchen sink, kitchen table, it's not a pizza, buddy, kitchen table meta, the princess's deck is actually pretty powerful. It's actually pretty good. Um, Honestly, that sounds like exactly the type of deck I'd build. Like so, uh, like a, a, a very small mechanic that, like, you know, can get screwed if the opponent can, like, deal with it. But, like, it's a fun thing to deal with. So, I know. I, yeah, I very that was when she explained it to me, I you know, there's, like, a certain amount of, like, Hearthstone thinking in my head. I'm like, that just dies to removal, right? Yeah. All I need to do is have one terror... And fucking princesses, the princess deck is gone. It's it's dead. It's there's nothing to it. Um, and uh, but I think that is a little bit of like that's like too competitive thinking in a way. Um, which is you know which is like fine, fair enough. Like part of part of my draw uh to playing certain games is to kind of like thread in the meta. I'll talk about this later in the cast. Um, or like later in this section. Uh, when I talk a little bit about Hearthstone, but the interesting thing about uh but the interesting thing about it is just like when you're building decks out of this kind of like draft only meta it's it's like really nuts but we played a bunch of commander which was which was a lot of fun it was also a bit of a slog um most people were playing with my decks i have like six or so of various power levels just so that like everybody who wanted a deck could find one sort of thing um we played a total of three games two of which i lost um one of which I kind of stomped everybody with uh, with my blue black ninjas deck, which is probably the best of the commanders deck. Um, but there's a lot of you know one of the things that, one of the things about commander uh, and one of the things about magic in general, or, or I'm sorry about um, versus one of the things about magic in general is that like when you're making a sixty card deck, you don't really need too many cards in that deck. You probably have between you know ten out on the low end to maybe 20 on the high end different cards like different unique cards in that deck because you can play play sets right um and then lands are obviously so much of so much of your deck is just going to be like however many you know basic lands sort of thing so you get into these situations where it doesn't take long to figure out a deck because you're playing multiples of a card it's like okay i'm gonna play another watch wolf or whatever it's like okay cool i get it watch wolf's a, a two mana three three for white a white and a green um in, in Commander, because it's a singleton format, basically every time somebody plays a card, especially for people who have never played Commander before, it is three players' first time ever seeing that card. So they have to like read it and understand its implications. And that's a really daunting thing for new players. Um, and it makes those games kind of take a while. So even though we spent eight hours playing Commander yesterday... Uh, the the games just like run long for that reason which you know kind of sucks but is also very awesome um my my friend max my best friend from high school who i used to play a ton of magic with uh has a thalid deck 
Thalids being a very weird creature type that doesn't pop up all that often. It basically has only existed in very old magic, in Time Spiral, and then they just revisited it in Dominaria. So, like, uh, these three sets, they are fungus creatures that get spore counters every turn, and then you get rid of the spore counters to put sapperlings in play, and then you can sacrifice the sapperlings to do things. Um... He's had a Thalid deck for a long time. It was his favorite deck when we were playing in high school. And when I pitched Commander to him, he was like, oh my god, are there like Thalid decks? Could I do like Thalids? And I was like, yeah, dude, you absolutely could do Thalids. So he put together a Thalid deck, uh, and we worked over it, and we kind of put stuff in to take stuff out. But it was like very clearly the kind of power doing the kind of stuff um, that you want to see, right? Like he was made, he made 24 sapperlings inside of a turn and then sacrificed all of them to drain everyone for 24 damage, which didn't even kill people, right? Like there was still much more game to have after that, but like those sorts of big plays are the kind of commander plays. So I am essentially just happily reporting that commander is awesome and I'm introducing my friends to it. And, uh, and yeah, that's that. What have you been, uh, what have you been, uh, on? Well, in in the realm of awesome tabletop stuff, I uh, I finally got to play a game of Pathfinder Two. Um, we I had a first session um, that I'm playing with some guys I found over the internet um, near me locally. Um, I am playing a lawful neutral cleric of Abadar named Basso Gaudius, um, and uh, he's going to become a Hell Knight. So I'm super or like that's that's the character that's the projected character arc. I'm super hyped for that. Um, and uh, the game, like we're still at level one, so you know, not nothing, nothing too crazy yet. But the game plays well. I find that the three action system really makes combat run a lot smoother than it did in uh, in one. Um, also, like things, you know, again, we're at level one, so I can't really give you too much, too much of an evaluation. But things don't feel like they're out of hand yet. Um, there's some things that are a little bit at like weird pain points, right? Like. At level one, everybody's basically the same at everything, right? Like, you haven't had the chance for the treadmill mechanic to kind of, like, make your characters that are good at things be much better than the things they're not good at. So, you know, a, a role will make a, uh, a character who's untrained but has a high skill about the same as a character that um, is trained with, like, a low to moderate skill, Um and so that's uh, not so, – so that's like the characters feel less differentiated. But I think that's just kind of like – I think that's about right, right? Like I feel like level one characters should feel not super differentiated from each other. Um, also, my dice were terrible to me. I think I rolled three natural ones and like five rolls that were like between two and five. Uh, so I'm, I'm having a very stern word with my dice. Um, I like, it was, it was, it was actually kind of ridiculous and I was, it was, it was, it was frustrating at the table, but you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, but it's a, it's a good system and it's been, it's been fun. Um, you know, compliments to my, to my GM, um, and to my, to the other players. Um, I'm playing with people like there's, uh, the GM is, 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 is a bit older and then we're playing with his son who's in his twenties and then there's me and then there's two other guys who are, um, I think, significantly older than me, right? I think they're, like, like in, like, one guy looks like he's maybe, like, in his late 40s, and the other guy looks like he's, like, 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 late 30s, early 40s. Um, and so it's interesting kind of playing with that kind of diverse age group of people. 
Um, just because, like, you know, everybody's got their old war stories from different games. Uh, most of them haven't played in Galarian yet, so that's always nice, right? Like, like interesting, uh, yeah. Um, you know, they'll like uh, <laughs> they'll talk about how, like, you know, uh, how. Uh, the state of Trilliance is like the successful rebellion of the Silver Ravens. And I'm just like, oh, oh boy, oh boy. I know what that was. <laughs> um, uh, and you Yeah, know, we never even, we never got to the final. Uh, we should do a podcast episode. I had a whole thing planned for the final episode of that game. Uh, oh, man. Maybe, maybe. I should like get back into the chat from like two years ago and be like, hey, guys, let's like just run this like final thing. It was like, it was such a, I haven't even like looked at Roll20 in so long. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll we'll, we'll figure something out because I definitely think we should do that. But uh, uh, you know, it's good to be playing again. It's good to kind of like get my feet wet. Um, I might try and put together something for for a group of us to play at some point over the internet. Uh, no promises because next at least month for me is kind of hectic. But um, but it's definitely it's definitely a really good system and 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 a lot of fun. I think it's. Uh, very hackable. Um, uh, I just got the um, the Gods and Magic book. Um, maybe we'll talk about that in an episode because I think it's it's a pretty well done book. I really like that Pizer's moved to like two to three hardcovers a year instead of like up splat every month. Um, like the, the 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 books feel much more substantial. Um, there's a lot of cool little things in them. Like this one goes over all the major face and a lot of the minor face, and they have things like you know like like common sayings of believers of certain faiths, which I thought was, was a pretty neat, you know, like Ab- Abadarian say like, it is so judged or whatever. Like, Oh, that's, that's a really neat little piece of flavor. Yeah. Um, there's some cool mechanics that I, I'm not using for my character, at least not yet, but like worshiping pantheons, right? Like you can worship the elven pantheon. There are three pantheons currently in the book or no, there are three pantheons in the book and there's uh, suggestions on how you might group them otherwise. But like there's the elven pantheon, the dwarven pantheon and the, uh, and the God claw, the God claw being kind of the hell knight pantheon. Um, but like, there's like rules for worshiping them as a group. Um, there, like I said, there's like the, there's a, there's like a bunch of minor gods and then, like, even more, there's, like, a big table in the back that has, like, gods that don't really have an entry to them. But it's, like, there's, like, the dwarven god of the forge or, like, the the Mwangi lawful evil god of deception, just, like, a child or something. It's just, like, very cool stuff to dig into, uh, very flavorful. Um, so I've been, I've been very much enjoying Pathfinder 2. Um, and that's... That, that'll be my first thing. I've got a couple other things to talk about, unless, and, but I want to give you a chance to talk about anything else that you've done. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, is Hearthstone um, because I have been playing a bunch of it recently, and, uh, and I just wanted to talk about a deck, and I know uh, that this might be... Okay, so whatever. Um, have I talked about my like weapons quest warrior deck with with like weapons and attacking with face before i feel like i've mentioned it but i'm not i'm not sure if i've gone all in i don't think so okay so the warrior quest which was released in the second expansion of the year saviors of old doom says attack five times with your hero uh and it'll change your hero power right the hero power that it changes to is two mana summon a four three 
and this refreshes when your hero attacks, right? So essentially what it does is you hit the button for two mana, you summon a 4-3, then you attack with your hero, and, you're, and you can hit the button again for another 4-3. So for four mana, you summon two 4-3s, right? This is... The this is essentially kind of like the value engine and the win condition of this deck. I have been playing this deck off and on for God, uh maybe the last five or six months. Uh, because as soon as they released it, I got the Warrior Quest. Warrior's always been my favorite Hearthstone class. And this is a really interesting new way for me to play Warrior. It's not like sit back and be defensive. No, like it's it's equip weapons, hit face, go face, make boys, hit with them kind of thing. Um, and Quest Warrior is bad. Like, Quest Warrior has basically been bad since it has has come out, and yet it is, like, some of the most compelling gameplay I have found in Hearthstone. Um, Quest Warrior right now is so unplayed that it is not, it doesn't even have a win rate on uh hs replays meta the win rate of quest warrior when you dig for it is 38 percent, and it is 0.09 percent of popularity one in every 1000 games will include a quest warrior game um but so it's basically when, just you so it's basically just me right <laughs> like honestly i i seriously wonder so i'm looking at the thing there are 3600 games of quest warrior i wonder how many of those are mine um, but it's also one of these things where I've also been kind of weirdly stomping with it. Um, not in an, ins- to a, to an insane degree. There was a while where I was playing Galakrond Warrior, which was a very high, high popularity, uh, warrior deck. Uh, the Highlander Warrior just kind of went out and surprised everybody, um, and has been rising in popularity because it just won Masters Arlington, uh, which is one of those situations where, a little bit like Lion from BlizzCon, where someone just had a read on the meta that nobody else had. He was playing this Highlander Warrior deck, and he beat everybody with it because no one knew that that was an archetype that was really strong. Um, there are already more Highlander Warrior. This is a deck that literally over the past weekend, in the last four days, has come out, and there's already 41,000 games of it and is one percent popularity um but uh yeah that's that's honestly like the whole story highlander warrior is insane or i'm sorry quest warrior has been insanely fun for me um and honestly i think some of the lower like level quest decks i've also been playing a quest mage deck that's a lot of fun um in hearthstone can be surprisingly efficient and effective when you're not like a slave to the meta uh and yeah, I don't know. I was very excited to talk about that, and I feel like I kind of was, was like a little bit of a bummer. It was a little bit of a letdown. Uh, <laughs> now that I got into it, what else did you have on your mind? Um. So, uh, first thing is besides Destiny, I've been playing this game called uh, Synthetic. Um, it is a top-down roguelike uh, shooter um, that has a couple of really interesting mechanics. Um, you basically have to stand shield to have any like hope of hitting anything with your gun. Um. And, like, when you reload, you don't hit the reload button. You have to eject the cartridge and then reload, and there's an active reload system. And the game is incredibly frenetic and crazy. Um, and it is just so much fun. I found out about it. Um, if uh, if you've if you've heard of Seth Tzinch, he was famous probably for a Lizard Wizard video for LOL and some other stuff. Um, but uh, he put up a video about it. I'm like, this looks neat. And I went to search it, and apparently I already had it in my Steam library. Uh <laughs> 
but I never funny. played it, right? So I, I I I popped it up, and it's just so much. It's just so much fun. It's just like you blast. You, you, you like you, you blast things and because the rogue like you just kind of keep changing things but it's got enough like upgrade stuff right like I keep leveling up the guy with the right shield but I might try a different a different uh, a different class soon and just see what that's like right and there's just like so many cool little mechanics and the game is just so hot high paced and uh population is really high right now because Seth is a fairly popular youtuber um and did uh and he uh and he's basically boosted the population of the game. So there's always a ton of people online. So if you want to do the multiplayer, there's a little bit of multiplayer involved. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a ton of fun. Uh, I highly recommend you go watch either that video or just go watch some gameplay and see if, if it's the type of thing you would like um, to, to everybody out there. Uh, uh, the other two big things I did this week um, are I went and watched Jojo Rabbit and I went and watched Parasite because the theaters are doing the, you know, watch the nominees thing again. Um, and uh, 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 so Par- I'll talk about Parasite first. It came to me highly recommended by a friend of the cast, Greg, who is my brother. Um, and he had been eagerly awaiting me watching it. So um, I thought on a technical level, the movie is, is very pretty. Um, the cinematography is, is pretty stunning. There are some really um, gorgeous shots of like what are essentially Korean slums. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know, don't know the basic premise of the film is that there is a uh, there's a, a relatively for, poor family, the Kims, um, who managed to get uh, what, the son managed to get a job tutoring um, uh, the daughter of this rich family, the Parks, um, and he ba- he he kind of manages to sideways get his other family members employed, right? Like he um, they act like they don't know each other, but um, they're basically at some point in DePaul um, working for the. Uh, Working for the parks, um, and it's uh, it's a high drama, uh, or there's a lot of tension, rather, a lot of drama. Um, it's very interesting. Um, I think it's lacking in some ways. Um, I usually don't like putting things like this, but like the, it very much feels like you know like a very good for foreign film type of thing. Where like some of the little aspects, right? Like I think some of the acting isn't great, um, and uh, the messaging isn't super clear um but i don't think that's necessarily a flaw i just think it's kind of like it's 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 a very human story i think that like in the second half in particular or not even the second half like i feel like there's basically an epilogue that takes place in the last five or ten minutes i think they try and do a little bit too much with it um but i thought it was super uh super interesting um the other movie was uh jojo rabbit and uh i am a big fan of taika waititi uh taika with T Y I didn't speak. Um, and I have to say that while I enjoyed this film, I didn't, I think it's probably my least favorite of the ones of his that I've seen. Um, like you know, for those of you that don't know, um, it's a film about a child in Nazi Germany um, whose, whose imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. Um, and there's, uh, and it's, it's, it's a comedy um, with some serious elements and I think it's just a very hard thing to balance. And I think sometimes it falls a little short. Um, and it's just, it's just a tough thing to do. I don't think, like, I, I thought it was good, but I don't think it was his best work. Um, but there's some very memorable characters. Um, uh, and uh, I, I do think it's worth a watch, but I don't think it's, 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 it's the best movie I've, I've seen this year. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's definitely fun. But I, I think that's uh, that's all the stuff I wanted to talk about for uh, for this week. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Well, uh, we're we're. Uh, I need I need to get out of here a little bit early, so I'm going to wrap things up unless you have any objections, buddy. I have no objections. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us and tell us what you thought about uh, uh, about our things we're hyped for for the year or any of the other things we talked about on this podcast, you can reach us at some, uh, podcast at simdosplaygames.com or simdosplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitch.tv slash simdosplaygames. You can donate to us at patreon.com slash simdosplaygames. Um, you rate and review us wherever you find podcasts. Um, that's everything that I had. But do you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. Uh, in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.